Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, so tonight we're wrapping up the three-part series on perspective. <clears throat> they got the cool little negative space E back there. Love it. And I'm really excited to, to wrap up the series with you guys. I, my hope is that you're going to have some really practical things to do after tonight just to align your perspective more with God's. I know, like, even as I'm working on this, I'm like, oh, man, there's a lot I need to work on. So I hope that there's some practical steps you can take just to, to change your perspective and get it more in line with God's. So our kind of our theme verse for tonight is Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And I'm just going to start off by reading that. Um, we're going to talk about that a, a lot tonight. So the verse is, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this verse tells us to live as wise, not as unwise. And I want to get into what that means and what this verse is talking about. But before we do that, I just want you to ask, I want to ask you to pray with me. <clears throat> God, I just pray that tonight you would really be the one putting things on people's hearts. God, that despite um, just my communication, that your word would shine through. I pray that you would really, um, really just put things really clearly in front of us to do. Uh, ways that we can just really put our, our lives in more in line with your word. So God, I just pray that would be the result of tonight. Um, I just ask for that for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it mean to live as wise? Right, This verse says to be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And living wisely, I think we have some, some things to pull on from David's message a couple, uh, several weeks ago and Cody's message two weeks ago. It means that you see situations and life clearly, you know, as they really are, and then you respond with the right actions at the right times, right? So you see situations, you see life clearly, and then you do the right thing in response to those things, right? And wisdom, this whole living wisely thing, it's connected to perspective. I want to connect these two in our, on our minds, right? Because perspective is about seeing things clearly, and it's about seeing situations clearly, right? Like the people... Uh, actions, like people's motivations, you know, anything involved in a situation, you want to really know what's going on before you get involved. And then about seeing reality clearly, right? We need to have a right perspective on reality. And Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says that the days are evil, right? That's, that's the, it's, it's um, kind of prescription of, of the days is they're evil. And this is just a truth, right? We live in a broken world, I was at my home church two Sundays ago, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and the pastor made a distinction that I thought was really helpful. He said that as Christians, you know, we live with a tension between God's ideal, like the perfect idea that God has of how the world should be, and then the broken world's reality. So when Adam and Eve, right, they sinned, they destroyed the perfect relationship they had with God, that destroyed the God's ideal in the world. The world is broken now, and we're still experiencing the effects of that. So wisdom, wisdom is not about making life perfect, right? Like having wisdom doesn't mean things are gonna all of a sudden like click into place and work out all the time. It's not about trying to fix everything in the world by seeing it a different way. But wisdom is about seeing the world, you know, in its brokenness, in like the evil days that we live in, and then responding to that in a way that honors God. So that's the goal with wisdom, is to honor God. So wisdom is connected to perspective. It's also connected to action. 
you know, you have to take action based on the perspectives that you have. And it's easy to see wisdom, you know, or hear the word wisdom and kind of think, like, I'm going to be honest, for me, it triggers kind of this, like, high fantasy, like, Lord of the Rings, you know, emotions, like, wisdom, very cool, deep, insightful, doesn't really mean much for my life, right? Like, the Battle of Helm's Deep is not something I think about on a daily basis, some of you maybe do, I don't know, but I don't, <laughs> um, because it doesn't mean anything for my life. Wisdom is not like that. Wisdom is not some idea that's out there and we can't really you know, take hold of it. It's not practical. Wisdom is practical. It will make a difference in how you live if you apply it. And so the degree of wisdom that we have directly impacts the course of our life every single day. And so I just want to talk with you for a little bit, a little bit about why wisdom matters. Why does wisdom matter? And the first point I want to get into is that perspectives guide actions. Right, we see that wisdom is connected to perspective, it's connected to action. That's because perspectives guide actions. Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Right, this verse is about someone seeing what they think is good, but actually it leads to death. You know, like The perspective leads to action, and that has direct consequences. So we're going to look at three kind of stories uh, two from my life, one good and one bad, and then one from the Bible. Uh, we're going to start off with the biblical one. We've got the Israelites entering the promised land. And I just want to show you how the perspectives that people had guided their actions. We're going to start off in Numbers 13. Um, the people get to the promised land, at the, the, the edge of the promised land, that God has said, hey, you're going you're gonna to get this. Like, I'm going to lead you. You're going to go in. You're going to conquer it. And it's going to be your land. Like, your descendants are going to live there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but first, I want you to send in 12 guys. Tell them to scope it out. See if what I'm telling you is true. And then have them come back and report. And so they do this. They send out 12 guys. And this is their report. They gave Moses this account. We're starting in, in Numbers 13. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. And they go on to say, dude, like, we can't do this right now. We need to come back later. And then we, we meet this guy, Caleb, a few verses later. Caleb is one of the guys who went. And it starts a couple verses later. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. So Caleb, right, he's choosing to believe the promises of God. He's choosing to have the perspective that God can do this, you know, through them. The rest of the Israelites are choosing to believe in what they can see. And this leads them to, to direct actions. Um, Caleb's like, let's go do it. The other one's like, no, we're not doing it. Um, a story from my life. Moving into Craig Hall, which up until recently was Craig Hall, now it's the social but it's an off-campus dorm where a lot of students uh, who go to Chico State or Butte College live. I had a friend invite me to live there with him for the purpose of starting a Bible study uh, and just reaching the people in the dorm who may not otherwise hear the gospel. And there were some factors that went into my perspective on this decision, right? Uh, it didn't make sense financially. It was really expensive compared to what I could have been living for. You know, I could have been living somewhere a lot cheaper. Uh, it was also not a living situation I preferred. I'm sure some of you like really like having roommates, and that's like a fun thing for you, like like actual room roommates, not like housemates. But I I honestly like 
I don't like having a roommate, a roommate very much. Now that I'm married, it's awesome. Like, I, I love my wife being there. But when it's like another dude, I'm like, oh, man, like, I just kind of, I want my own space, you know? And you just don't have that with a roommate. Um, but, so, all those things <laughs> being considered, right? I saw those things. And then I also saw there's opportunity for ministry. You know, maybe God is going to use me to reach people in Craig Hall. And I decided to move in there because of that. That's why I decided to move. And that's because I chose to see the ministry opportunities as more valuable than my personal preferences uh, or my financial security, you know? And then, just in case you guys think uh, I have a great perspective all the time, I'm going to tell you a bad one for me, where perspectives guided my actions. And this is really uh, about, just about bitterness. There was a person in my late high school, like early college years, who did something that made me really mad, like really, really mad. I have not been that mad, uh, maybe ever, actually. Uh, this might be the, the worst. But, you know, I knew what the Bible said about forgiveness. I knew that I should forgive them, but I didn't. I was like, no, okay, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this. It'll make me feel better somehow. I don't know what's going to, you know, but I just, I just not, I'm not going to forgive them. The problem is that I had to spend a lot of time around this person. I don't know if you guys have ever spent a lot of time around someone who you don't have a clear relationship with, who you're holding on to bitterness to. It is rough. It, like, makes you miserable. Like, it made me miserable. Um, so I chose to see holding on to that anger and bitterness as more valuable than forgiveness, Right? So those are some, some examples of perspectives guiding actions. And then connected to that, we have actions have consequences. So we have a direct line here from our perspectives to the consequences, the outcome of our life. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So we're just going to look at, at these three situations, right? The things that were sown, the actions that were sown, and see what the consequences were. So let's start off with the Israelites, right? They say, we're not going. Caleb's like, please, let's do it. They're like, no. And they decide not to go as a nation, right? And this is the Lord's response. Starting in Numbers 14, it says, The Lord replied, As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So in this passage, right, we see the negative consequences of disobeying God, as well as the positive consequences of obeying God. Like, all these other people, God says, all right, you're going to die in the desert before you go in the promised land. Like, you decided not to go? Great. Don't go. You know, like, he's like, okay, that's, that's your decision. But he's like, oh, Caleb, though, he had a different perspective. Because Caleb had a different perspective, the consequences were different. And we can actually, there's a little bonus here. Uh, 45 years later, the Israelites go into the promised land. Caleb's still alive. And he approaches Joshua, the leader. And this is what he says to Joshua. He says, now then, just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. 
Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, big scary people, right? Uh, and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So Caleb still, like 45 years later, A, God kept him alive, right? <laughs> like there's not a lot of, like him and Joshua are the only two people from that group who are alive at this point. God keeps him alive. He keeps his strength. He's like, dude, I'm ready. Like, let's go to battle, you know? And then he says, give me this country. Like God promised it to me. I can take it. Like, I, let me just go do it. And Joshua's like, oh, all right. And he goes and does it. <laughs> like God keeps him alive. God gives him the strength to do that, like what he promised he would do. And that's the positive consequences of obeying God. Um, with Craig Hall, you know, God used the choice that the four of us made to move there uh, really to be fruitful in our lives. That was a really awesome time of just seeing people get connected to our community, um, make friends, you know, grow in their relationship with God, and even commit their lives to Christ. And there's actually a couple people uh, from that Craig Hall Bible study who are still in challenge right now, which is awesome. Like, we got to see the fruit from that in a really great way. And God could have done that without us, right? He doesn't need us to do that. But because we moved, because we made the choice out of that perspective, we got to see some awesome consequences from our life. And then with forgiveness, right? Choosing not to forgive uh, meant that I was miserable whenever I was around the person, which was often, as I said. Uh, it made my life way less enjoyable. And then, so after a couple years, right, of me holding on to this, having to spend time around the person, they actually got put in a place of authority over me, which was, like, brutal, right? Like, you do not want to dislike your boss. That's not a good place to be. Uh, the hard part is he was, like, a nice guy, like, he, there was not even anything to dislike. You know, like, I, I just had the choice of either holding on to this bitterness from something that happened years ago or choosing to forgive him and just, like, enjoy his company and enjoy the way he, he was over me. And by God's grace, like, after some struggling, um, it was rough, you know, I had to, to come to, to terms with that, but I chose to forgive him. And it really changed my daily experience. Like, my time with him went from being really miserable and like really unfulfilling, frustrating. Like I would go home and just like, ugh, you know, to being actually helpful. I'm like, wow, I just spent time with a friend. That, that's cool. You know, it's a very different experience. It changed my daily life. So the consequences, right, in that scenario, when I was struggling with the bitterness and anger, that, that even like bled into other relationships sometimes. Uh, that was really not helpful. My quality of life, just the way that I thought about people, made me really unhappy until I chose to forgive that person. Um, that was a really meaningful moment in my life where I saw God really change my heart because I, I could not have done that on my own. So my point with, with all of this, right, with perspective, guiding action, and action having consequences, is that the more your perspective lines up with God's, the better the consequences of your life are going to be. Right? We, the more we are in line with God, the more of God's blessing we see in our life. And from David, right, we got to see what God's blessing is like. It's, it's satisfaction, you know, it's finding satisfaction in God despite any circumstances we're in. Provision, God providing for us what we need. And then fruitfulness, blessing other people. So the more your perspective lines up with God, the more you're going to see those things in your life. So I, I don't know about you, this makes me wonder, like, how can I grow in wisdom? Like, if it's so important, like, the Bible clearly says, like, wisdom is really, really important. How can I grow in that? And I have some direct just steps we can take and things that we can start in to grow in wisdom. The first one is fear God. 
Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And this phrase, you know, the fear of God, I think, even for myself, some often might hear it, I think, oh, that just means respect. Like, that's the, the thing that goes through my mind. And I, I think to some extent that's true, right? It does mean respect. But there is an element of, like, fear that we should have. You know, God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants, anytime. Like, just that amount of power is scary. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, now, thankfully, we have other parts of the Bible that tell us how much he loves us and how much he, he wants us to be in a relationship with him. But God has a power to do whatever he wants that should drive us to fear. And that's actually a good thing. Because if we fear God, we don't monkey around with him. <laughs> You know, my, my old, old pastor at my home church would say, you know, fear of the Lord is respecting God enough not to monkey with him. It's not saying like, okay, like, God, we're good, right? All right, I'm going to go do this thing over here. Like, hope you don't see it. No, it's, that's not fear of God. Fear of God is respecting God enough not to mess with him. So fear, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. That's the start because fear of God actually drives us to obey him. The second thing is asking God for wisdom. You know, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask a God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. And then Proverbs 2.6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So any wisdom that we have, any understanding that you have about life is actually a gift from God. Like if you have any of the right perspective at all, that truth is actually ultimately from God. He's the one who gives us the ability to see the truth. And then obey God's word, right? The Bible's instruction is actually supposed to be helpful to us. It's not meant as like a bunch of rules to stifle us from doing all the things we want to do. Those instructions are meant to help us live wisely. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is useful. It is not just something to, to read and think, oh, that's cool. No, it's actually useful. If you follow the scripture, it will teach you, it will rebuke you, it will correct you and train you so that when God brings up opportunities in your life, you can take advantage of them. So those are some ways that you can grow in wisdom. That's like the baseline of, of wisdom is fearing God, asking God for wisdom, and then obeying his word. So I have some practical application. These are the things that if you were to pick one of these to do this week, you would be able to do it. I really want to make this as practical as I can um, just so that you can take away something from tonight. So the first one is read the Bible. And I would specifically, if you have questions about what the Bible says on something, look it up. Like try and find passages in the Bible that address things that are important to you or things that you're currently working through in your life. You know, some, some examples might be, you know, what is God's purpose for you? A lot of people go into college looking for purpose. What is God's purpose for you? The Bible has stuff to say about that. Um, what's the right way to treat people? Uh, the right perspective on work or school? You know, how should I think about or like engage different cultural issues that come up? Like those would all be good things to look in the Bible for. So read the Bible. Um, number two, submit to the Bible's authority as the word of God. And then adopt the perspectives given in it. So when I say the Bible is the word of God, that means that it has the authority 
and perspective of God behind it, right? So it's just as relevant to us right now as it was to Christians 2,000 years ago. Like, the Bible is just as relevant to us as it was back then. Because it's God, right? It's not someone else talking. It's God who's trying to communicate to us through his word. And if you have questions about this, if you're like, well, I'm not convinced the Bible is like the, the word of God. I'm not convinced it is, like, does have the authority of God behind it. You should talk with someone about that. That's, like an, that's a really important question to answer. And you should absolutely try and answer it. So if you're meeting with someone, you can discuss that with them. You know, bring up questions, ask them questions, and just work through it with somebody. If you're not meeting with anybody and would want to just talk about this, you can talk to me or another challenge staff member after tonight. We really want to help you guys like, understand what the Bible is and understand that it's God who is behind the Bible. He's the one speaking through, the, through his word. Another really practical thing you could do is memorize key passages that just challenge wrong perspectives you struggle with. Um, an example for me, Hebrews 12, 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. For a long time, correction would make me like really frustrated with the person who was correcting me. I'd be like, oh, like, okay, I know they're right, but like, I want to be angry about it. <laughs> like, is that, is that good? But what this verse says is that, yeah, it doesn't seem pleasant right now, but it's actually going to help you later. And that actually really changed the way I viewed correction, memorizing this verse, because I know, I now know, like if someone's correcting me, if I accept it and get trained by it, it's going to lead to something good. That doesn't mean I enjoy being corrected, like it's still unpleasant, but I at least can have the perspective of like, oh, okay, like I don't need to get mad about this. I need to accept this and just do the next right thing, right? And then lastly, make decisions guided by scripture. Psalm 19, 7 through 9, I found this passage this week and actually started memorizing it um, because I just want to be continually reminded of this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the decrees of the Lord of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And I'm especially encouraged, right, as we're talking about perspective, um, by this part that says the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. I'm going to ask you a question. I actually want you to respond. If you have 20-20 vision, but no light is going in your eyes, what can you see? Nothing. You could be somewhere like totally unfamiliar. You could be in your room. You might know if you're in your room just based on other things. I don't know. But like you, you don't have any sight. You don't know where you are. right? You cannot understand the world around you without seeing. And that what this passage is saying is that God's commands give us light. Like We can actually see because of God's commands. We can see what's really there. You know, without light, uh, we can be totally wrong about the situation we're in. But with light, we can understand what the world is like and where we are in it, right? And this is what the commands of God do. They give us light so that we can have the right perspective in whatever situations we face. So going back to this Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, right? It says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Every day, we have a, the choice to live wisely or unwisely. 
And living wisely by choosing to adopt God's perspective instead of following your own, that's going to lead to good things in your life. Perspectives guide actions, and actions have consequences. If you change your perspective, you can change the outcome of your life. So I just want to really encourage you, think about the next step that God is calling you to. This doesn't have to be something huge or flashy. It might be as simple as, I have a question about what the Bible says about something. And I'm going to try and figure out what it says. That would be a good next step. It might be something big like committing your life to Christ if you haven't done that. I would encourage you, whatever God is putting on your heart to do, just resolve to do it. It will change your life for the better. Obeying God will change your life for the better. And so I just want to encourage you to make some practical applications. Write them down in your connection card. Um, Really just consider what you're going to do in response to his word tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and close, and then we'll have some more worship afterward. Lord, I just ask that your word um, would really stick with us tonight. I pray that whatever you have for each one of us to do, that we would really just make the decision to follow you in that, Lord, and and see what the consequences are. God, I just want um, all of us to really grow and take a next step with you. And so I pray even for myself, God, that the things that you want us to do, the ways you want us to obey, that we would yield to you, that we would choose your perspective and not our own, and that we would really just change and experience the good in our life because of that. I just thank you for all this, and we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.